Welcome to the latest episode of A Smart Financial Plan, where we interview leading financial planning researchers on their research and learn how to apply their findings and best practices to our own financial planning practices. Today, I'm pleased to have Dr. Kenneth White from the University of Georgia back on the program, telling us about his research into the relative income hypothesis and how financial stress affects black university students disproportionately to their peers. We discuss the conditions in which students often find themselves in college, how peer spending behaviors can cause financial traps, and various methods of mitigation that planners can recommend to their clients to help students navigate the various pressures of the collegiate environment. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Well, good morning, Dr. White. Thanks for coming back on the program again. It's great to have you here. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks. Uh, so you conducted some research on kind of college students and financial stress recently. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so that particular research was um, dealing with African-American or Black uh, college students. And it was um, relating the uh, relative income hypothesis to uh, their financial stress levels. And so what the relative um, income hypothesis says is that the financial satisfaction of um, individuals is based on uh, their ability to consume at their peer level, as well as their ability to consume at their past peak level. Um, and just looking at that in, in relation to how they report financial stress uh, was pretty enlightening. Um, it was kind of motivated by another research study that looked at uh, more of a general population of college students. Um, the financial stress of college students. And, but I wanted to look specifically within the group of Black students um, nationwide. Okay. So, so just kind of touching on, on the different parts of that. Uh, as financial planners, we might view something like the relative income hypothesis as uh, a client comparing their current income or their current assets to where they've been historically. So if, if they have more than they used to, they might feel good about that. If they had less, they might feel bad about that. And then sort of a, a keeping up with the Joneses experience. You know, how much do my friends or my family or, or people around me earn? Is, is that a, a fair kind of summary of that? That was very fair. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's kind of the opposite approach of what economists would call the uh, the absolute income hypothesis or the um, even the permanent income hypothesis. Relative income hypothesis is all subjective. It's all based on how I feel I'm doing in comparison to my neighbors, my, my cousins, my brothers, uh, whereas absolute income would look at exactly uh, what I have today and what I'm able to purchase or consume today. And I can see where they're they're probably both useful tools. You know, the if you go online and want to buy a computer, uh, the absolute income hypothesis is probably going to be more relevant because that computer probably costs the same whether I live in Georgia or Colorado. But when I think about you know individual uh, kind of experience, the relative makes a lot more sense, right? Eighty thousand dollars in uh, income in San Jose is below a living wage probably, and you know eighty thousand dollars in Des Moines, Iowa is probably great money. 
So I, I can see where, where they sort of both have a, an application. Um, you mentioned some some prior research in this area. So what was what was missing or, or lacking that you've tried to fill in the blanks for? Um, so what what's really been lacking is um, just the the looking at the within group comparisons, uh, and there are there's a lot of research out there that looks across uh, across groups, but when you talk about specifically looking at um, African American population, which uh, there's not. Not, not always a whole lot out there that's just narrowing in or zeroing in on that, um, on that particular population. So that was kind of the missing piece that I wanted to explore. Sure. Um, yeah. And I started the research looking at other people. Oh, I, I was just going to ask what, what made you want to research it, but I'm, I'm really curious to know where you started. <laughs> yeah. Um, I started that because uh, just pretty much coming from from a lived experience. Uh, I've always been interested in um, how um, the financial habits and behaviors and and attitudes of uh, black population, the Hispanic population, um, women. Um, lower income populations. And so that's where it came from. Um, it's just a, a personal interest of mine that has um, that has become a big part of my research. Okay. Um, yeah. when, I, when I started the research, I was looking at, I started by looking at different fields to see how they looked at stress and um, it was really interesting. And so I started, as I started relating it to financial stress, it just uh, kind of, it gave a lot of, um, get, it, it was, there were a lot of parallels. For example, I looked at psychology and what they, how they view stress. And I looked at, um, at the time I didn't look at it, but I, I've, since I've done this particular paper, I have looked at how uh, stress is looked at in physics and engineering, and it's it's really interesting um, the parallels that that you can draw from uh, different fields. Well, say say more about that because I, I know I personally haven't looked at stress in any other field, so I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, well, when you talk about um, in physics or stress in engineering, it's usually uh, talking about stress on uh, a material. Um, it may be um, metal or building, some building material or something. Um, and it's stress is really the force that comes against some material divided by the area that the force is, um, is working against. And so if you think about it, if you want to limit the amount of stress, then you either have to reduce the force that's coming against it or reduce the stressors or the factors that are creating that force or increase the area, the capacity of the uh, material to withstand that force. Um, and so if you think about it in terms of finances, 
then you either have to alleviate those things that are causing you financial stress, or you have to increase your capacity as an individual to handle those forces that are coming to you um, and causing you stress from your finances. So, um, and it goes a step further in, in engineering and it talks about strain because the stress causes strain on materials. And so that strain is what causes materials to um, bend, bow, become deformed. And so when you have stress that's coming against you from finances, at some point you're going to, you know, for, for lack of a better word, become financially deformed uh, if you're not able to with, keep withstanding that um, pressure that's coming against you. And so there's a lot of parallels there that, um, that you can kind of tell a story about and um, relate the two fields to. Psychology says it like this. It's psychology talks about stress as being um, your ability to handle stressors that are coming against you. And so if you uh, want less stress, then you have to either alleviate or reduce the stressors, the factors that are causing the stress, or you have to um, expand your ability to handle those things that are coming against you. And so there's a lot of parallels when we talk about financial stress with comparing it to um, other fields. The one thing that was different though, was that when you look at, um, at the cultural um, aspect of stress, when you throw that in there, then um, in general, the African-American population um, reports having lower levels of stress across the board in everything except when it comes to finances being a stressor. And so when you talk about financial stress, then that's when uh, the African-American population um, reports having higher levels of um, stress. And so that's another motivator for this particular paper because um, stress from finances and African-American community seems to, uh, there seems to be a problem with it in the African-American community. So there, I mean, there's so much to unpack from all of that. So I'm, I'm thinking about three particular things here. One is just sort of how, how we as planners can adjust the amount of stress a, a client feels. Um, we may not be able to do that as directly as we'd like, but um, sort of taking your, your physical materials analogy, it might be increasing income or reducing the frequency with which stressful events occur or just reducing the amount of, of stressful things in general. Am, am I following that correctly? Absolutely. Okay. I think um, things like uh, a budget, which some people consider as you know, kind of the first financial plan, um, but making sure that um, individuals have a budget and they are not spending more than their income, making sure they have uh, an emergency fund uh, where they can handle um, those unexpected things that might come up. Um, like you were talking about income, the best way to increase your income is through increasing your human capital. And so investing in yourself uh, and getting those that 
that extra degree, that extra certificate, that extra designation or some skill that is uh, marketable out there. And so expanding your ability to, um, to handle those things, I would say even um, this is something that's not talked about as much in personal finance, but expanding your uh, social capital is important also, and just the circle of um, influence that you have. That'll allow you to tap into resources and information that you otherwise may not be privy to in terms of um, handling stresses that might come against you. Well, that's obviously even more important when we're studying college students who, who clearly have no stress in their lives. Um, you know, <laughs> as, as far as we think about sort of the, the impacts, I, I want to ask you about that idea of strain and, and sort of um, kind of the, the deformed financial health uh, in, in a little bit here. But one of the other things you said stuck out to me, which was just that the, the studies show that uh, you know, African-Americans or Black populations have less stress in every other area. And that's that's fascinating. Um, I mean, when you just look at our, our social discourse, our political discourse, um, all the all the myriad social and economic and, and uh, financial issues that that impact you know the that population, it, it, that it's just such a surprise that they would that they would that would be there, and that almost raises. Um, I, I think we're going to use this building analogy quite a bit in this uh, in this interview, but I mean, it almost raises the specter of, of being made of tougher stuff in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah. It's just sort of sort of an, a really interesting observation that you know, if, if I if you just took a straw poll, I don't think anybody would expect that population to have less stress in any regard. Um, so that's just really, really an interesting thing. But uh, so, so tell us, you know, kind of about your your hypothesis going into this, and and kind of what data you were looking at as as you started this research. So the data set that I looked at is um, it's called the National Student Financial Wellness Survey, and it's collected out of uh, Ohio State University, and it is um, the data set that I looked at was. Uh, 52 different colleges and universities across the country that um, where students answered a, um, a online survey. And there was a lot of questions about, um, about how you pay for school, um, your um, financial habits, um, debt, just looking at the overall wellness, financial wellness of uh, college students nationwide. Um, and I looked at uh, that particular data set. Um, one, because it had um, a large enough population of students. There's over uh, 18,000 students that actually answered um, that data set, but it had also um, a, fi a financial stress scale that was um, that I was able to create from there, and it asked uh, questions about, you know, in general, um, how do you feel about your finances? Are you um, do you feel any kind of stress from your finances? Um, do you feel uh, how do you feel about your ability to um, to provide for yourself? Uh, after college. And so um, there were a number of uh, a number of financial questions in there that um, 
just related to both this idea of uh, financial stress and the um, theory of relative income hypothesis. Um, so the the hypothesis that I that I had for the study was that um, African American students that had a higher score on this relative income hypothesis uh, index that was created in the data or using the data would also report higher levels of financial stress or a higher score on their financial stress index. Um, so that was the hypothesis that I went in with and the results of the study actually showed it to be true. And so um, when you talk about the results, it was that Black students that felt like they had um, enough money to do the same things that their peers could do um, or had enough money to do the things that they enjoyed doing, um, then those students reported uh, lower levels of financial stress. And so it was definitely, if I felt like, if I felt like I could, uh, if I felt like I was in the same consumption level as the rest of my peers, then I was okay. Whether or not, regardless of uh, looking at what my absolute financial situation was, it was all about um, if I feel like I'm doing well, then I feel less stressed. If I don't feel like I'm doing well compared to others, then I feel a lot more stressed with my finances or from my finances. So, I mean, that certainly brings out sort of the, the danger of that keeping up with the Joneses portion of the relative income hypothesis, because, you know, as we know, college students are apt to party, celebrate, uh, go take trips for spring break. Um, you know, it's a time of life, at least in, in the modern era, where social media sort of magnifies the good and tends to kind of hide the bad in a lot of ways. Um, did, did you see anything uh, kind of in your in your study that indicated that it may, might be a bit of a growing problem or something that's being magnified by the college environment? Um, you know, I don't think from the from the data because the data was cross section, it was a cross sectional data set. So okay. I wasn't able to really look at it at a growing trend there. Um, and so there's not, there's not, there wasn't any way for me to narrow it down or, or specifically identify a growing trend. Um, and as far as uh, being in a college environment, um, that I think that that's something that would have to be uh, looked at in, in future studies. Um, I don't know that the college environment, well, I don't know if the, if the data says it specifically. However, one thing that I can say from uh, just looking at other literature on, on the issue is that um, given the um, educational background of, parent, of the parents, um, that for many African-American students, this might be the first time they're experiencing um, 
a wider range of um, people in general at a um, you know at an income level, at a wealth level, at an educational level, and so if you're going to an environment like that for the first time um, and you're seeing you know this this new uh, group of, of peers, then that might open start opening up some uh, some different comparisons to what you may have previously experienced. And that may be um, one thing that might be causing some of the uh, increased stress. Sure. Well, particularly because college tends to sort of pull people together from different backgrounds. Um, you know, I, I think of something when, when we're thinking about the study, um, I think sort of anecdotally, but I think it's more than anecdotal uh, about the experience of students on athletic scholarships, those who've, who've gotten into college, but who came from lower incomes or single parent households um, who might be being suddenly kind of forced into a social circle with peers who maybe grew up with wealth or in an affluent family um, who had more resources and sort of the um, call it the, the forced socialization that comes in with that sort of contrast. Um, would that be a good example of some of kind of where uh, your study would, would identify a, a student would be much more likely to express or, or experience financial stress? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's a, a fair assessment. And I don't want to in any way uh, imply that um, all African-American students come from a, some kind of impoverished background or anything. You know, that's not what I'm um, at all implying. Um, but if you look at the data, the parents' education, the, um, the parents' income is just on average lower for that group. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can kind of read into that, 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 um, that the, they're going into an environment where they're going to be experiencing a population of students that are from, um, you know, uh, parents with a higher education level and um, a higher income level. Sure. So was there anything in your study that was surprising to you or, or did turn out differently than what you were expecting? You know, um, one of the results that uh, was really surprising to me, and after I started thinking about it, it, it kind of makes sense, um, is this idea of um, expectation to graduation. And for students that um, expect to graduate early, actually, and that's earlier than the four years that um, that it's, it normally would take someone to graduate, uh, then they were, they were actually reporting less financial stress than students that were expecting to need um, additional time beyond the four years to graduate. And so I, I didn't, going in, I didn't think about the, um, the expectation around graduation or the time to graduation as being a factor that, um, that might increase your financial stress, but it makes perfect sense. You know, if you are expecting that uh, I'll be out of here early and I can actually uh, either go on to grad school or start uh, start my working career, then 
you probably would say you're feeling a little less stressed versus someone that's going to need five years, six years um, to graduate. So that tells me that um, things like um, taking taking uh, college courses for credit uh, during high school years would be beneficial. Um, it tells me that being able to get those AP credits um, if they're offered at your school would be beneficial. Um, it also tells me that um, education policymakers and university administrators can um, play a role in reducing the uh, financial stress of uh, their African-American students as it relates to this particular study, but probably students um, in general, because it's probably a universal thing. Um, and so if you, if university administrators, education policymakers really focus on um, trying to get students out even a semester early, they probably can, uh, can uh, help with that uh, financial stress that they're reporting. Okay. So it, you, you sort of just identified some of the, the treatments, uh, at least you know, that, that can sort of alleviate the, some of the pressure from the educational side. What, what if anything, can we as planners do to, to help clients or to, you know, to help the children of clients perhaps um, you know, account for or identify these stressors and, and try to mitigate some of those strains that can occur? Um, so I think that um, as, as planners, if you can um, help, help families prepare financially to, for the cost of college so that there's no interruptions from, um, from a lack of finances standpoint or um, um, any kind of uh, interruptions from um, not having your financial aid in order or not having enough saved um, to pay for the, the rising cost of um, college. Uh, that would help. Oh, I think that that would help a lot with the uh, time to completion of the degree as well as the financial stress. Um, one of the things in the study that was um, interesting was that the students that worked full-time and the students that worked part-time actually reported more financial stress than the students that did not have to work. And um, that probably is uh, an indication of parental support. So it could be an indication of scholarships and how students pay for our um, paying for school, but it also, I think it probably has more to do with parental support. Um, families that are in a position to, uh, to help support financially the students, there's um, the college students during, during their college years uh, are probably a little better off or more prepared for those uh, four years. And so just, from a financial planning standpoint, um, helping families to get in a position to even uh, offer that kind of support um, for students while they're 
while they are uh, in school so that they don't have to worry about, um, you know, necessarily working. I mean, there's some other, um, there's some other benefits to working during school, but in terms of just the financial aspect and the financial stress that can come along with it, um, that's a, having that financial support and that financial backing um, from families could help uh, students also um, in terms of the stress that they're reporting for finance, from finances. Um, I think probably those two things would uh, go a long way towards uh, helping college students. Um, from another, from another um, study that uh, I had conducted, um, another thing that will go a long way towards helping students with the uh, with stress is just the financial socialization piece or how families are teaching the, their children about money. And uh, so if financial planners can maybe um, start including um, the students into maybe some of the discussions that they're having with their clients around uh, the finances where the students can start learning about, in particular, start learning about investing. Um, that, that socialization piece seems to go a long way towards um, college students experiencing or reporting less financial stress um, during their college years. So let me let me pose maybe a hypothetical here and, and tell me if I'm following uh, sort of the the triggers or mechanisms here. So uh, if a student's going to attend college, maybe their family has has financial resources, not enough to pay for all of tuition or or kind of you know foot the whole bill, um, but they're they're trying to make a decision between whether the student should accept kind of as much financial aid as possible to cover tuition and the like. And the family is going to provide more direct financial support, i.e., like a stipend or something like that, um, during during college students' years. Would that be better for that student's financial stress than the than the family saying, "Hey, we're not going to provide that stipend, but we're going to pay for some of your tuition directly, so you assume less debt"? Um, would it be fair to say that that first student would experience less stress than the second student? And is that something planners maybe should consider, or am I am I not following correctly? Yeah, no, I think, um, I, you know, it's not something that um, that I, I looked at in, in this study um, in terms of uh, the amount of debt that students are accumulating and how that might uh, impact their um, financial stress. Um, when you talk about, though, um, the accumulation of debt, I think that that goes more into um, probably more into a, a more of a almost into an optimism kind of thing. How do you feel about your financial future um, versus um, what the relative income hypothesis would say as how do you feel currently about your financial situation currently? Um, and so probably being able to provide that stipend, if you just think about it purely from a relative income standpoint, probably being able to um, provide that stipend where um, students can uh, still participate in 
in some of the things that that their that their peers are able to participate in um, would, in terms of the amount of stress that they're reporting at the time, would probably go further than um, paying um, tuition so that they don't have to take out as much debt. Um, now that's that being said. Uh, I'm pretty sure that later in life, they will appreciate not having uh, that amount of debt when they are trying to do things like um, buy a home or uh, get married or um, you know, buy a car <laughs> uh, when they don't have that three or four or five, or six, or I've even seen $700 uh, student loan payments. And yeah. so, you know, just, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a real balance too, because um, just because you're providing a stipend for uh, for your student doesn't mean that you want them to then just go out and uh, spend frivolously uh, during their college years. You still want them to have uh, some accountability and uh, some financial uh, responsibility and again, that's where that whole uh, financial socialization um, piece can come in, where um, students understand how to handle uh, finances and develop good normative, positive financial behaviors and attitudes about money. So is, is that maybe then a, a good case for kind of instructing clients or, or kind of counseling families that uh, you know, their children in college or entering college should should have some level of work or or some some part time uh, responsibility that, that helps provide them with financial support. Yeah, so it's interesting that you say that because um, a part of financialization financial socialization is uh, that work piece, and students are actually um, learning about money and finances by working or by having a job, having their own income. Um, not necessarily by receiving an um, allowance though. And so if you just talk about um, the learning aspect of it and students understanding how to best uh, budget and how to best um, allocate the resources that they have, uh, studies have shown that it's not through receiving an allowance, but it's through, uh, one of the ways it's through is um, actually working for, for their money. And so um, maybe a partial stipend to supplement some of the uh, work that students are doing uh, would, be, would be a better overall um, approach to not just reducing the stress, but also um, continuing the uh, kind of the financial education of the students. Gotcha. Well, Dr. White, uh, where do you think this research goes? Do you think that there's, there might be a, a future iteration of the, of the study at some point where you can start looking at it longitudinally? Or uh, do you think you might kind of try to look at the question in a different way in the future? Yeah, so um, that longitudinal piece is definitely, um, um, one that I would like to look at um, that would require me to find a different data set and um, that has uh, the college age students in it. Um, also, um, looking at 
So in this particular um, data set, I looked at finance or this particular project, I looked at financial stress. Financial optimism is another thing that um, I would like to um, would like to dive into. And so just looking at um, how students are viewing their future financial situation, not just um, their current situation, are uh, is one thing also that I want to uh, to look into. All right. Well, Dr. White, I want to say thank you for coming back on the program. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great being here.